Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your co-host Pitar. And I'm your co-host Austin. Today we're going to be talking about Red Dead Redemption 2 and Knights of the Old Republic. And we're also going to be talking about our favorite albums and favorite movies of 2019. And we hope that you guys enjoy it. playing a lot of video games lately but the one of the major changes last year was that you know I, I didn't play uh, as many games I guess as I used to and I want to say that's actually because um, I stopped playing like multiplayer games so I used to be a, a big I don't know I used to I used to play a lot of like Overwatch Destiny was your life yeah. for a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was super obsessed in Destiny and so it's interesting because like yes I, I put a lot of game hours into like playing video games, but my selection of video games was very small. Mm. It was always the same, uh, like multiplayer game. Well, last year and uh, beginning a lot really this year too, I've kind of tried to adopt a new mentality of just trying to play uh, one game at a time. And so I guess the motivation for this really comes from, I have this massive backlog of like video games that I really, really wanted, wanted to get through. And I was like, okay, well, reasonably, the only way that I'm going to get through these is just to, to do one at a time. And so it, it started with, um, well, I guess this year it started with uh, uh, Death Stranding. I got through that and, and we'll probably discuss it another time because there's another game that I played immediately right after and finished. And that was uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. And so this game was... Uh, it was very long. So when, I, when it first came out, it came out in like 2018. And I played a lot of it when it first came out. And, and then I stopped playing it for basically an entire year. And then beginning of this year, uh, I got right back into it. And I was like, and I, I just started from where I left off. Why did you stop? Uh, I don't know. I think I, I just, it's one of those things where I just stopped playing it. It's probably because I, I was playing, uh, honestly, with other multiplayer games mm. and stuff. So I just, I just kind of dropped it. Coming back into it, it surprised me how, because I felt like I played a lot of it back then, maybe a good 50 to 60 hours. Mm -hmm. And it took me probably another like 40, 50 hours to, to, to oh finish it. Yeah, it was crazy. But I was so surprised that it was, it was so good. And I, re I remember hearing a lot back when it first came out, one of the, uh, the points that a lot of people took a criticism with was basically- The horse testicles. <laughs> 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 uh, it was it was basically how meticulous the game is. Like you, there's almost an animation for like everything. And mm -hmm. so, uh, for example, like when you, if you go take a bath, if you go like uh, like wash up the main character, like instead of uh, you know you just pay for the bath and then the cutscene ends and you're clean. Mm -hmm. Like he goes in there, he goes in the bath, and then you have to hold down squared and like, <laughs> like wash your right arm, hold down circle to wash your like left arm. That's crazy. And so, I mean like really the whole game, like everything like has an animation, everything has an action to it. And so it's slow. Like it, the pace of the game is really, really slow. And, and that probably, I could see that being a, a big turnoff for a lot of people because mm -hmm. like I get it, a lot of people don't have the time to, to get through a game like this. Uh, I think playing Death Stranding before this really helped uh, because Death Stranding, again, uh, it, it, it shares that similar slow pace where like everything has an animation. 
um, everything has an action. And so uh, it really prepped me for getting back into like uh, into Red Dead. Gameplay mechanics aside, I think really just the story really, really stuck with me. And so after I finished it, it was just one of those like, it's one of those things like when you, when you finish something and it just kind of seeps, like seeps oh, yeah. into you and you just think about it all the time. And I was getting like, yeah, I was getting like sad thinking about the story again. And it was just, it just really lingered with me. And so um, I was a big fan of the first game, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a prequel. And so, I mean, we're going to get into the spoil, spoilers territory. I mean, probably for everything, probably for everything, right? <laughs> yeah, everything, about, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, our, every, our entire podcast is going to be, it's, it's all spoilers. Well, and like, plus this game's two years old, right? <laughs> and yeah, so I think uh, if you haven't played it, I'm sure you probably won't by yeah. this point right if, yeah or yeah i mean just don't listen to this if, yeah, you, just, if you want to play it and you want to start you want the story fresh but yeah just that's that's our one and only spoilers warning yeah. <laughs> for the for the rest of the preceding <laughs> podcast man it was it was just incredible the the like the entire ending sequence of the the game so the game follows a a, a gang of outlaws and you play as a character named Arthur Morgan. The main character of the first game, his name is John Marston, and he's also a member of this gang. And so, I mean, if you've played the first game, you kind of have a feeling, well, you know things aren't going to end well because uh, the gang is, like, broken and split up, um, and they're not, they're not in the first game. Um, well, mm. they, they kind of are, kind of are uh, but... Anyway, so you know that things aren't going to like end well. And so with kind of that like and anticipation, um, and especially when it gets into its uh, like climax, it's, it was just incredible. The payoff was really, really good. So um, the game really, I mean, the, the themes of the game really wrestle with this idea of uh, like kind of like morality and like what's it mean to be a good person? What's it mean to be a bad, bad person? Mm. Uh, because Arthur Arthur Morgan, um, he's just an outlaw, and so he's he's always been like a bad person. Like he kills people, he robs people, and so basically, as the game progresses, you see him kind of wrestle with that. And by the end of the game, he uh, he contracts uh, tuber- tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. So he and I mean, this mm-hmm. is set in the western. Like like right. he's gonna die. So and. Is this like the 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 tail end of the West? Or? Yeah, I believe it's like eighteen uh, nineties. Uh, okay, so, so so culture does the game wrestle with those ideas? That, yeah, like, that culture is shifting, yeah. and where where is his place in a in a world that no longer like accepts outlaws and stuff? Yeah, and so that's one of the things. That's one of the the dreams for the gang. So their leader Dutch, you know, he's he's always talking about how like you know they don't belong in this world anymore because mm-hmm. how it's changing, and so they're trying to find a place where they do belong, um, like this gang of outlaws where they can can be who they are mm-hmm. and so you know they're they're constantly on the run they're constantly trying to get money to to go to a different place where they'll uh be like happier or the, where they can be alone from the government or uh the pinkertons are like chasing them throughout the entire game and so you know as as time as the game progresses arthur's starting to realize you know like they don't have a place here anymore in this kind of world and so uh w- one of the things like his main goal is now like well he knows he's going to die. And so he wants to at least get the good, some of the good folks in the gang, a better life. Like he mm-hmm. wants them to get out of this life and he wants them to have a chance to do something with their own life. And so it really like that, that part of it, um, it really struck me because I mean, coming from the first game, John Marston, he's, 
John Marston's the guy that Arthur really helps get get out of the game because so John has a he has a family, he has a, a wife and a child, and and Arthur's like, okay, man, like this is like like if you if you got out, like that would mean everything to me, and you know mm-hmm. it, it got to the point where it's just really there's this man who's just struggling with this idea of of where he belongs and if he's good or if he's a bad person and you know, what can he do now with the, with the remaining life that he has left. And that's really where the game like focuses. And I think it really, that's where the game really starts to pick up Mm. in its narrative towards the end when he starts wrestling with these ideas. Ultimately he succeeds in getting John Marston out of, out of this life. um, And he dies, Arthur Morgan dies. And then what really struck, what was really crazy was, uh, so that's that's the end of the main story, but then there's the epilogue, and then the epilogue is like an entire new game. It's, oh it's crazy. It's like another <laughs> ten to twenty hours, um, and then you play as John Marston. It basically sets up the events to uh, the first game, and so it's it's John struggling with um, the legacy that Arthur left behind, and like, mm. well, what is what is what am I supposed to do now with my life and and my family and and things like that? And so he goes and he. He tries to basically live a normal life, like become a rancher and like stop being an outlaw. Um, and but he starts wrestling with this idea of uh, getting revenge for Arthur. And so um, there's another character. He's he's a he's a bad person. His name is Micah, and he's just a despicable mm. like character. He's one of those guys like real sleazy. Mm-hmm. And um, it turns out he actually ratted out the gang. That's how the Pinkertons found them. Um, and him and Micah and Arthur are always like butted heads. And so at the end of it, you like at, at the end of Mar- Arthur's story, uh, you have like a final fight, like a final showdown with Micah and mm-hmm. then Arthur, Arthur loses because he's got like tuberculosis. That's a cool just like narrative choice too, right? That the character you've been playing with for probably presumably like 80, 90 hours at that point. Yeah. And then you lose and die. That, yeah. That's heavy. It's, it was crazy. Uh, it was really cool. Um, and so, you know, Arthur or uh, John, uh, like they know that Mike is still alive and there's, there's other characters who um, of members of the gang who really um, were, they, uh, they were like good friends of Arthur's. They find where Micah is. And then like, um, so John now is like, he's, he's wrestling with this idea of, well, should I, should I seek revenge or not? Like, mm. like, do I have to do this? And, and Abigail, his wife was like, you know, she's against it. She's like, she, she wants him to leave it behind. And he's like, um, and ultimately John comes to the decision that no, he's like, I need to do this. And he's like, I need to do this for Arthur. I need to do this for myself. And they, and then, um, I remember they have a discussion about like, you know, what would it like, is this what Arthur would have even wanted? Mm-hmm. You know? And one of the characters, uh, his name is Charles. And he mentions, like, he's like, you know, I'm not sure Arthur would have wanted this, you know, not, not like how he was at the end of his life. Right. Um, and so anyways, they go, they go on this final mission, revenge mission and they, they confront Micah and they kill Micah. And uh, so John kills Micah. And uh, I mean, there's, there's so much more that happens. I'm right. just quickly summarizing it. You just, yeah. Get hundred hours condensed <laughs> into a few but, minutes. But I guess the, it, all of this really boils down to this one idea that the game has. And so uh, the first chapter chapter of the epilogue is called the wheel. And then uh, basically it's, it's, it had me thinking because the events that happen that lead John to finding Micah and ultimately killing Micah, um, 
those events basically are are how the Pinkerton agents, uh, who later become federal agents, find John in the mm. first game. And so what 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 ends up happening is that these federal agents find John, and this is this is years after John has started to live like a normal life, mm-hmm. like a like a rancher. Uh, just being like a, a regular person. They find him and they kidnap his family and they basically force him to uh, wrap up loose ends. They force him to find the, his old uh, gang members and basically like get, kill him and mm-hmm. get rid of him. And then at the end of it, uh, he, he does everything they ask and they end up killing him. It's really sad that John wanting revenge for Arthur is what results in him, the result of his death later on in the future kind of that idea of the wheel you know like right. it's it's just like the cycle of violence and and it's even it and to take it even a step further it's sad because in the epilogue of the first game the kid john's kid jack grows up and then gets revenge for his father by killing the federal agent and so it's you know it's just this it's just like man it's just that unending cycle of of, of vengeance and violence and it's that that's the cycle that arthur wanted to break and it's sad because he ultimately didn't in the whole epic and that's so cool that because probably more than any other thing you know the western is like a distinctly american genre um in so many ways and it's cool that now video games have like a western epic yeah across two games and it's like this dealing with these like grand mythic themes of revenge and tragedy and loss and um you know choice and stuff that's that's super that's potent I think. Yeah, it was just, it was so profound and that narrative payoff was so good. I guess the last thing I just wanted to mention about this game is like when he, so when Arthur dies, uh, Charles, Charles is one of the realest dudes in the game. <laughs> he, so he hears about Charles, uh, Arthur's death and he comes back down and he finds Arthur's body and buries him. Uh, it depends how you play Arthur. There's like a, a morality scale. And so I played him more towards the good side. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Arthur's tombstone, I think it said something like, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Interesting. And so Charles, that's what Charles put on his, on his gravestone. And it's really sad. There's a, there's a girl named Mary in the game. That's like Arthur's love. And they knew that they could never be together just because of, of their life and, and, and their distinct lives. And so um, Mary sends Arthur a goodbye letter and he receives it like uh, a week or two before his, like his death mm-hmm. and in it contains a ring and it was the ring oh. the engagement ring that he gave her and what's what's really cool is that uh, later on he he gives his possessions to John when he when when he helps John escape and John uses that ring to propose and 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 uh, eventually get married to his wife but what really killed me was during the credits, uh, you see Mary at Arthur's grave. <laughs> oh, man. That's... Uh, you, so you spoke of, like, the morality system, right, in the ending. If you would have played it completely bad, would the, like, did, was there multiple endings, or was it just... Yeah, it's not really... I think there's a true ending, and right. I think I got the true ending, but the, it looks like they put in some fun endings. Instead of helping John, you, like, to... Uh, there's like also a stash of money and you could have chose to like escape with that. I see. So Arthur could have lived in no, any I think, of them? No, I think or? all of them Arthur dies. It just depends how he dies. I so see. in the good endings, he, he dies after fighting Micah. Micah. But Micah doesn't kill him. Mm. Micah just beats him. Arthur dies. He like crawls up to like a, a post and then the, the tuberculosis finally, finally gets him. Mm. Um, I think if you steal the money, I, I was watching some of these endings. Uh, if you steal the money... Uh, then Micah kills him by stabbing him in the back. Oh, okay. Uh, real quick, just because I don't know if I'll ever be able to talk about this again. When uh, 
I think it was right before grad school, before we did um, like practicum stuff. We had to, you know, go get a, all these medical tests. <laughs> I remember I, uh, I had to get a tuberculosis test, right? And it came back positive that I had tuberculosis. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I, when I had to go home and like, you know, show my mom the test, I was like, I think I have tuberculosis. <laughs> And of Holy course crap. that like that broke my mom and she was doing all this research and then it turned out it was a false positive. Uh, and I guess that happens, um, you know, semi-frequently uh, just based on various factors. But I was dude, like, that's scary. It was. And, uh, you know, the, the nurse or whoever did it, they were like, it's probably a false positive because this happens, you know, yeah. but it's like, oh, my God, yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> am I going to die of tuberculosis <laughs> in like 2015, 2016? What the heck? Uh, so I relate to Arthur <laughs> on that on that level. Oh, I just remembered something. Yeah. Um, there's so Arthur contracts tuberculosis because there's a mission like way early on. Um, basically, he gets it from beating a dude who owed them money. Oh, so that's that's even more like like you said, violent cyclical, right? Yeah. He he broke his own life because of his violent actions. Man, those are some of my favorite stories. Are like the the cyclical nature of tragedy and across like generations and stuff, you know. And that's like a um, just like a powerful American narrative, right? Like the Godfather, Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption, Star Wars. Like there's all these. Yeah. Things. And recently I just watched The Place Beyond the Pines. Like, Oh, that's, that's right. And that, that's, yeah, that's another epic American tragedy generationally. Uh, on the topic of video games, I said, what have you been playing? Okay, so I think there's kind of a joke between us that like I play one video game a year. That's, I, <laughs> I reserve my spot for it and then I, then I tap out. Uh, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because um, I guess uh, my hobbies just tend to be, in terms of media, are just more like movies and, and reading. And I get it, man. Video games, they're, they're a lot of they're, work. They're long. And, um, but I, I feel like I play about one a year. And, you know, last year uh, I played Fallen Order and I was going to play Death Stranding and I just haven't, maybe this summer or something. But um, I've been wanting to get into the Knights of the Old Republic games for years because, uh, you know, I'm a gigantic Star Wars fan. And I know that those are some of the cornerstones of people's favorite Star Wars stories, uh, even though they're legends now, but that doesn't really matter. Um, so, you know, I finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to play Knights of the Lord Republic finally. And this was just a journey. Uh, so I think I started them over winter break back in December and I finished Knights of the Republic 2 uh, last weekend, I think. Um, and it was, it was the most like intense gaming experience that I've ever had because I've never played something that long or or rpgs and so um when i was playing the first one i was playing it on normal difficulty and i didn't i didn't i you know after finishing them i still don't understand them i don't understand how the gameplay <laughs> works at all uh or anything about it and i was so frustrated so early on in the game that i was like i'm gonna quit these just are not for me i don't get it i suck at this and uh then i realized well, why am i doing this to myself i can i can turn it on easy mode that's okay it's it's okay there's no shame in it and so i did that and then i felt like a god because i was so you know it was so the gameplay was super easy um but i enjoyed it immensely because of that and so basically these two games take place um in in the legends continuity uh 4000 years before the phantom menace and it is about like the, the, the grand war between the Sith and the Jedi. And the first game is essentially, you are playing uh, as Darth Revan, who is uh, one of the, the great Sith Lords who was previously a Jedi, who was like a hero of the Republic, and he fell. And um, 
the the big twist in the game is that you you uh you find out that you're Darth Revan about midway through as your character does. He has amnesia and there's all this stuff. Um and it was fascinating because I knew both of the, the major twists in both games going into it just because they're in like the Star Wars. Yeah, you know, these games have been out for a long, yeah, long time. And they just the, the the knowledge is kind of like through osmosis in the community. But it was really powerful just uncovering these twists on your own. And someone on Reddit uh, put it really well. They said that the first game is like this this massive summer blockbuster uh, that is just this crazy action adventure, and, and and it was. And then the second game is this like delving into philosophy and uh, contemplating like what is good, what is evil. Um, do your good actions actually cause more darkness if mm-hmm. they're done for selfish purposes? And uh, it really hit me. There's this there's a sequence in the second game. Where you can choose to, uh, and kind of like how you played Arthur more towards the light, I played both characters towards the light side as well. Yeah. Um, cause I, <laughs> I went into it wanting to play the dark side. And then in the first game, there was a sequence that came up where um, you could either help this alien who was being harassed by these little human kids, or you could be racist towards him and, and help the kids murder him. And I was like, this is it. This is where I have to make my choice. And I couldn't bring myself <laughs> to be racist to it's, this alien it's, it's hard to be a bad guy it was and so i chose to do it towards the light side which i think are technically the quote-unquote canon version of the games um so i got the, the you know the, the true story uh but anyway in the second game it's much more complicated your choices of good and evil are much more complex you're, you're presented this choice fairly early on do you give five credits to this homeless person and Five credits is nothing in the game. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll give him five credits. Uh, and because of that, I triggered a cutscene where he he goes off around the corner and he um he is now a target for the gangs in this town because he has money and so they murder him. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and you're you're kind of like mentor in the game, uh, who you later find out is the true Sith Lord who's been manipulating things the entire game. Uh, she kind of presents you with the the quandary of why did you do this good deed? Is it because you're selfish and you think that doing this goodness is going to help you feel good? Uh, but because of that, you have now cursed this man to death. Whereas if you would have let him struggle and find the money on his own and work his way out of his impoverished condition, then he would have been stronger for it and he oh, wouldn't man. have died. So goodness actually weakens the universe. Uh, and you're like, oh my god! And then you know, so so you start to examine your own life choices, and you, you know, you, I remember, I, man, I woke up in like cold sweats because of these <laughs> games because they they consumed my life, and I couldn't stop thinking about that. Dude, I was dreaming about Red Dead. Two. Was... <laughs> it just it takes you over, and it's funny though because you're right. Your your one game took you about a hundred hours. Uh, collectively, these games took me about sixty between the two of them, and. I thought that I like climb Mount Everest doing these, you know, because I've never played a video game longer. Um, and I don't have a good gaming chair, so my back hurt every time <laughs> I play these games. So I was hurting myself to finish these things. Uh, but, you know, by the end of the second one, you're just, you're confronted with this idea of ultimately what actions do my actions place upon the universe? And in my small, in my small life, can one action ripple out and dramatically change the course of history? And what does that mean? Is there such a thing as an evil course of history and a good course of history, or is it all neutral and we simply like transpose our own value system on top of it? Uh, so the main, the main Sith Lord, her sort of objective in the second game is to kill the Force oh, because yeah. she sees that the, um, 
she sees the Jedi and the Sith as the exact same thing, that they're just offshoots of this one religious base, and both are equally selfish in their own ways. It's just that the Sith are more honest about it. Yeah. They, they know that they want uh, galactic power. The Jedi are liars. Right. Um, and, you know, they, uh, they believe they're good, but their actions cause just as much harm as the Sith because you, you come across so many, you know, uh, citizens in the game who talk about, you know, the great Sith Jedi civil war and uh, how they couldn't tell the differences between the two sides. Dang. Because when you're a civilian in war, it doesn't matter which side is right. bombing your home. Um, so I, I just, I, you know, I was, I was blown away by that message and just the idea of murdering spirituality yeah. in, in, in the star Wars universe and, and what impact would that have? And, you know, it's similar to you when I, when I finished the, the games, I just kind of like sat there like, yeah. <laughs> what, what am I now? What, what is my purpose? <laughs> they, these things have driven me for two months. Uh, and who am I now? But I, you know, it felt so good to, uh, to check those yeah, check those boxes get through and, them and to get through them and to finish them, and especially because I, I wanted to quit so bad. Because I was like, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm enjoying this, uh, but it felt good to finish. Dang man, I I don't know. I think after getting through those games, I think you can get through any game because th- those are. I think I'm never gonna play a video game again. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> that was it. Those are some hardcore I'm, games. I'm retiring after that. I really hope that the future Star Wars narratives pull some of the pull some of that into them. Well, and it's a shame that because uh, number two ends on a cliffhanger. And, you know, they had plans to finish the trilogy and for various reasons that they didn't get to do that. But it sounds like maybe um, I played them at a good time because there's rumors of perhaps a reboot or remake, kind of a sequel. I'm I'm not sure, but uh, I hope so. Star Wars is cool because in all, you know, variations of the mediums like comics, movies, books, whatever, nothing gets thrown away in Star Wars. Everything always comes back. Um, So I'm sure eventually their ideas uh, will come back in some form. Yeah. And I think with... um I think with Fallen uh, Jedi Order, mm-hmm. there's a strong chance that we're going to get a lot more good Star Wars games. You know? I think so. I th- uh, it sounds like that was a big hit and it sold really well. It sold more than they were anticipating because I think, uh, and I'm sure you know more about this than I do, but uh, that the, the, dev- the studios that develop games, it seems like, have this idea that no one wants single player narratives when that consistently gets proven untrue time and time again, right? Yeah. Like Red Dead was so successful. Um, the Last of Us games, then Charted games, and then Jedi Fallen Order. You know, it's just a single player thing. But I think people people want those stories, and you know, they they want those experiences. Yeah, yeah. There there seemed to be in previous years. There there seemed to have been a a big shift in the the game industry with the rise of like Fortnite's and these kind of like battle royale type mm-hmm. games. And these really good single player games are starting to become a a, a rare breed, but. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, I mean, Red Dead 2 sold really well and you, you have to, I mean, that game is so meticulous and so slow. It's yeah. like, it's, it's counter, it's the antithesis of like a Fortnite match, you know, and, and, and so it, it shows that people still enjoy good narratives. Yeah. People want stories, I think, at the end of the day and, uh, and good gameplay that, um, but what do I know? I only play one game a year, <laughs> so I don't know if I Dude, I don't know. The, the next one, if you choose Death Stranding, man, that's... That'll break me. That that, is, yeah, that is a tough... It is a long, I long, saw someone on, the, on Twitter the other day, because Red Dead was a game that I also wanted to play, because yeah. I love westerns, um, and just the aesthetic looks beautiful, but I saw someone, they were like, I'm nowhere near close to being the story. All I do is go into the woods and fish, <laughs> and that's how I play the game, which I, I thought that was just funny. I mean, you can play it any way you want to play it. Yeah. That's that's really cool, man. I, I 
I'm glad that you got through those games and and it's interesting because they're such they're old games and and their I guess their mechanics and like their actual gameplay like it's it's difficult because some of some of that stuff doesn't age right it doesn't age well and so uh playing those in the modern age you know I think you're lucky because you kind of have the the bliss of ignorance that you're you haven't been exposed to like hmm. modern RPGs so playing these old ones you know you know it's it you don't know what a good that's what true. a good UI system is, you know, or something like that. For me, sometimes I really want to go back and play these classic games, mm. but then I get into them and I'm like, man, this the is... The mechanics are... Yeah, the mechanics are bad and it's hard to like get past that. You have that bliss of ignorance where you're playing these old games and you don't know what... You're right. It'd be, it'd be interesting for you to play them and see... Uh, you're right, because, you know, I, I once I figured out the mechanics in the gameplay, it just... That was what it was. Yeah. I didn't think about how could this be better right. because you're right. I had no, I didn't even think about that. I had no um, previous context for anything. Like, I mean, the only other RPGs I've ever played are Pokemon. Right. And, you know, that, <laughs> <laughs> nothing similar at all. Yeah. One of the, like, I've always had this goal of like trying to go back and like finish all the Final Fantasy games. Mm. But man, it's so hard to go back to play them now because like they they all have random encounters and random encounters are the worst oh. single they're the single worst gaming mechanic in history yeah. where you just walk around for 5 seconds and you get into a battle and right. it's <laughs> the worst thing super i you know kind of speaking off that um in gameplay and stuff i have no idea how people played these back in 2003 2004 because without the like walkthrough guides <laughs> i would have never i would still be playing the first one i mean like, it I, makes me think about uh, as a kid uh, like how i played some rpgs yeah how did, how we did figure i figure these things out? out how did i get through this <laughs> I, sometimes i went through like paragraph by paragraph and i was like okay where the heck do i go i don't where do i go get that item like how how would i have known that but I, the other thing is i think as a as a kid you just have more time and more patience to get that's through true it, you know that's true like uh i'm trying to play through super metroid right now mm. And it's it's so Metrovania games. There's a lot of backtracking because you unlock new skills. Mm. I mean, um, I know that uh, Jedi Fallen Order took a lot of its DNA from uh, like Metrovania games, where uh, like if you get a new skill, yeah, you can go back to the old planet, it'll unlock a new area that right. you can explore. And so you know, Super Metroid, that's that's kind of the the influence that it had on the gaming industry. Mm -hmm. And so I'm playing it, and it's like, you know, once I get lost, I'm just like frustrated now as an adult, and right. I'm like. All right, where's the tutorial? How do I get? That? How do I find where <laughs> I'm supposed I to go? finish these things? <laughs> well, I think speaking of uh, you know just the the games that we enjoyed, uh, we kind of wanted to transition into our uh, our main topic for this particular podcast is just our what were our favorite things in 2019, uh, specifically focused on movies and music. But I'm sure also we probably each have maybe like a TV show or a video game or whatever that that we would like to talk about yeah as well. i gotta find the tweet that i could condensed all this information oh yeah because <laughs> you, you did your your top 10 um albums, uh, right? albums yeah should we should we go ahead and jump into movies then while you're looking for the, the tweet yeah yeah let's do music it. okay so um i think that it's interesting because you and i both like movies and music but i watch way more movies than you yeah. do and you listen to way more music than i do yeah uh, so it'll be interesting just our our perspectives on things so i i always make a top 15 at the end of the year for movies. So if you're curious about looking at the whole list, you can find my profile on, on Letterboxd. Um, just type in Austin and you'll find it. Yeah, and we'll stick it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't want to go through everything, obviously. I just wanted to briefly list my top five and then talk about three other movies that I love that like aren't getting talked about. Um, so my personal top five for last year were, uh, number five was Little Women. 
Number four was Ad Astra. Three was The Irishman. Two was Star Wars. And one was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, all of those have tons of discourse around them right now. And I have nothing new to add to it other right. than they're all amazing and all fantastic. So the two or three that I just wanted to talk about briefly um, were my number six of the year was Glass by M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan, I think, um, in perhaps one of my one of my bigger hot takes, but not in like the, the film Twitter community, I guess. And film Twitter community is trash, so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter anyway. Uh, anyway, I think Shyamalan, some days he's my favorite director. He's certainly in the top five. Um, I have loved every movie he has made. Don't say your hot take. Uh, Don't do it. Including the last, <laughs> the last Airbender is one of the best movies of, of the previous decade. Uh, but Glass is the trilogy finisher of uh, Unbreakable and Split. And of the three, this was certainly the, the, um, the most divisive. I think most people love Unbreakable. Most people really enjoyed Split. Uh, I think this is, in, in my opinion, the best of the trilogy. And I think that the reason why a lot of people didn't like it is simply they have no idea how to navigate a non-blockbuster blockbuster mm-hmm. anymore. And what I mean by that is uh, something that's not like the drenched in the MCU aesthetic, yeah. or especially if it's in the comic book genre, they have no idea how to approach anything that's different. They, yeah. The critics simply lose their minds if anything challenges their perspective on how things are done. Yeah, and I think especially with um, like the superhero genre-based yeah. movies. Right, right. And... Uh, it, you know, the, the climax takes place in a parking lot between two or three people. And I know a lot of people were, uh, when the movie came out, disappointed that it didn't have this grandiose, epic climax when that's not, that's not what the trilogy was about. I, I, I don't understand why anyone was seeking that, but it's just the most beautiful movie about um, self-acceptance and how uh, trauma doesn't mean that you're broken. In fact, it might mean that you're stronger because you've overcome trauma. Uh, and I, I find that message beautiful and just enlightening. And um, so the other, the other two I want to talk about were uh, my number 12 of the year was 47 Meters Down Uncaged, um, which is a sequel to 47 Meters Undown, which was a, a horror movie from a couple of years ago that, that I liked. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, but this one was so cool. So it's by this dude. His name's Johannes uh, Johan Roberts. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, and he's quickly becoming one of my favorite horror directors. So this uh, this movie, it's basically a haunted house movie, but underwater with albino sharks. It's super cool. The, the structure and like visual aesthetic are very similar to haunted house movies. Uh, but well, yeah, but with a giant albino shark uh, hunting these divers underwater, and everything just keeps amping up in the movie. Every time you think that, uh, oh my god. This is the lowest point for these characters. They're all going to die. It just keeps getting worse. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, uh, it's, just, it's just insane. They, uh, so, again, we're doing spoilers here, right? Um, so, you know, they, they overcome and, and beat the, you know, the, the great white albino shark. And then they get attacked by a pod of regular great white sharks. <laughs> and it just keeps amping up and getting crazier and crazier. And I loved it. And I highly recommend, um, if you're into horror especially, you know, this is a, which horror is my favorite genre. Um, it's a, it's a great movie. And then the last one I want to talk about is uh, this short film called In Dog Years uh, by this director. Her name is uh, Sophie Rambari. And I feel pretty cool because I've, uh, I've talked to her a couple times on Twitter. Oh, and nice. She's super nice. Um, she just finished her master's thesis and made a new movie, which I'm excited to get my hands a hold of. But this is a... Uh, it already sounds like a movie that would break your heart. Oh, it is. <laughs> so it's a, it's a sequel of sorts to another short film she did called uh, Norman Norman. So she had a dog named Norman, who 
who I believe is is dead now. Um, and Norman Norman was shot from the dog's point of view, sort of reacting to Sophie watching a news clip about um, people cloning their dogs. And it's it's powerful because you're projecting your emotions onto Norman's expression. And it almost feels like he understands in the short film that he's at the end of his life. And what are the implications of, of cloning? Uh, and, and, you know, how, how would that affect you emotionally? Yeah. And so in Dog Years is sort of a sequel to that where Sophie is uh, interviewing and, and talking to these various dog owners who are, um, who are with dogs who are close to the end of their life. And, and they, they know that and they recognize it. And she's such an empathetic filmmaker that... So is it like a documentary based? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it's like a docu-short sort of. Um, and it's almost as if the dogs know it too. You know, no. the, the dogs know that they're about to die. The owners know they're about to die. Uh, and, and what does that mean for our, for our connection to those we love? Yeah. And uh, man, I feel like I'm about to tear up just, just <laughs> thinking about it and talking to it, talking about it. But um, it's just, it's, it's only 10 minutes. So it's ish. So it's worth, you know, if you just got 10 free minutes and you want to yeah. cry... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's on YouTube now, but I remember it was on like cbsfilms.com or something like that. Um, uh, so so yeah. that's the most well, easily accessible. Uh, but it's it's great and just support Sophie because she's you know she's an up and coming filmmaker and um, all of her stuff are out there for free. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. it's uh, that that the, yeah those are the three that just really struck me that that aren't getting a lot of dialogue. Yeah, and uh, it's unfortunate that. You know, these kind of films get get brushed under the rugs, you know. Are there any movies that you saw the last year that just really stick out to you as, as ones that you really enjoyed? Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I definitely didn't watch as many films right. as you, um, not even close. But I think off the top of my head, uh, my favorite film last year was probably Ad Astra. Mm. And that would, that would be to say that, you know, I, the film came out in 2019. Right. I think I watched a couple more films that weren't from 2019 uh, last year, but of the 2019 releases, I think Ad Astra was. And I think a large part of that um, is I've, I've just kind of been in this like space mood, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of that space aesthetic with like like Space Odyssey and uh, like Interstellar. And so uh, coming off of that and just watching Ad Astra, I, I just really enjoyed kind of the, the space aesthetic of it. And also thought it was a really profound story about uh, just like fatherhood and your connection with your father figures and, and literally just uh, crossing the universe to, to, to find the, to find the release or, or to find what you need right. to, to, to move on from kind of the traumas that you've had in your life. Um, it was gorgeous. Just a, a gorgeous movie. Uh, Isn't it fascinating when I feel like when a good filmmaker goes to space, they make a really good movie. Like, yeah. Like you said, Interstellar, Ad Astra, um, just all those sort of... Space is just such a cool playground. There's so much... There's you, could so do, much. you could do anything. <laughs> I honestly think my favorite like genres are like space and westerns. You know? Yeah. So that's why Star Wars is so cool. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> but speaking you know, of, of favorites and a topic that I can talk a little more about, uh, uh, music. And so I, I love music. I'll post my top 10 in the show notes uh just just so that we're not spilling too much about it but i'll go through my my top five and maybe talk about uh some of the other ones that that i really enjoyed and so um my fifth favorite of last year was an album called good at falling by the japanese house that album uh it's one of those albums that i kind of forgot that i really liked um because it came out pretty early in the year and so I was, I was reviewing my list. Let me listen to this one again. I was like, oh, oh I really <laughs> like this one. Yeah, I forgot how much I liked it. 
my fourth favorite was uh, Lux Prima by Karen O and Danger Mouse. Um, this album's really cool. It's just got um, kind of this like modern rock star aesthetic to mm. it, and it's just really cool. Like Nickelback rock star. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, number three was Immunity by, by Claro. Mm. Just fantastic, fantastic debut album. Um, the four, my, my fourth favorite, uh, or, or my second favorite, uh, it was it was close between being my number one. This mm. is I just love this album. Uh, it was Norman Effin Rockwell by Lana Del Rey. It was a little joke. Uh, there was for a while. It was, it was whenever I talked about this title, I would always call it Norman <laughs> Norman Effin Reedus. <laughs> you would. And it was, I don't know why I just kept mixing up mixing up the name. <laughs> but but the album was so good, and and I just wanted to talk speak a little more about this one. Um, because Lana, Lana Del Rey is such a fascinating artist. She's um, special to you. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago, her album, uh, Lust for Life, was, was my favorite album of the year. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2017 I think. when it came out. Um, because that album was kind of, it was basically the culmination of her entire music career. It felt like, it felt like the album she's always been trying to make. And it's one of, the, it's one of those albums where it's like, okay, uh, I, she had to release those other other set pieces to get to that point, mm. and so I was really excited about well, you know, what's next after an artist hits that point? You know, what what's next after you make the thing that you've tried mm. your entire life to make? Um, and wow, Norman Rockwell, it, it just it it blew beyond any expectations I, yeah. I I ever had or or can even imagine of of the album, and I think it's her best work to date. Um, and it's just this it's incredible, intricate, delusional like tale of what America is. Right. Uh, and wow, it, uh, there's one moment. I think it's like the the third track, Venice Bitch. Yeah. And it's like a nine minute epic, epic yeah. right off the bat, you know. And I really wasn't expecting it. And uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to it, really, really give it a listen. Uh, and my number one um, was uh, is Titanic Rising by Wise Blood, and uh, this album came out, I think, early, earlier, or in the year too. But it 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 stuck with me the entire year. You like knew right away, I think. That yeah, was your favorite. yeah. Um, I knew right away that this was the album to to beat. Yeah, you know, like um, this this album was incredible. Uh, it's, it's so ethereal and and um, it just had this like her her vocal talent is so sharp. It's like her her vocal presence really lingers because yeah. it's so powerful. And I think I think maybe because I've just been so into that space vibe and and the the album kind of brings that. She's got a, a song called Andromeda and and wow, I just love that album. It was is musically I don't know, it's so touching, so ethereal, and it just it, it stuck with me the entire year, and and I, I never forgot about it. If you were making a decade of the year list, which I know you kind of. I don't remember if you if you posted it or if you just like or if we've just talked no, about it. No, yeah, I haven't. But, I haven't sat down and made it yet. Right. I've been. I've been. I want to. Yeah. Would, would you think that would be on there? If you had to, if you had to predict, it might be um, on on the top ten, mm-hmm. uh, if not at least top twenty. Right. Uh, but that it was, it's such an incredible, incredible album. I'm surprised that uh, Jesus is King was not <laughs> your number one. <laughs> Man, that. If we want to talk about that for a little bit, that album. Let's talk about Jesus because that, that was one of the biggest albums of the year, right? Let's. Oh man, um, I mean, if, if people who know me know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an avid Kanye West right. musical fan, not a personal fan, right? Uh, 
but it's just the it's 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 one of those things that being a kanji fan has gotten harder and harder throughout the years how many times has he twisted our heart the last couple <laughs> <of> years <laughs> and you know jesus is king while i it was good it was good and while i i understood i think i understand it's personal impact for for kanye mm-hmm. you know uh it's just i think it's one of his it's probably his weakest album to date yeah. uh it's just i don't think it i don't think it'll stand um the test of time i don't think it'll it, you know i've already forgotten about it because you know right. i have no urge to go back and re-listen to it and i don't know it, maybe it's it's good that he put out an album um that you know like reflects where he currently is in his in his life but I think beyond the, and maybe that's it, you know, beyond the, uh, the stratosphere of his ego, I don't think it has a place, um, in lives of others. Probably won't shift the, um, well, it'll be interesting to see if it does shift like rap and hip hop in the same way that every other one of his albums did. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I can't, I can't foresee this, like, you know how 808s like created the Drakes and the weekends and stuff. I don't imagine Jesus is King will, will, Create the next batch of no. superstars. It like, might create newfound uh, God rappers, really, religious rappers. It's certainly <laughs> um, brought out the racism in, in Cody, Wyoming, or <laughs> uh, I'm from. Uh, my my grandma still gets newspapers from Cody, and it's just funny because the like editorials in the Cody Enterprise are clearly on such like a, a racist <laughs> oh, bent because they've never seen so many black people in one place in their oh, lives, no. and it's just, I don't know. It's it's like. What reality are we in? Where, where <laughs> Kanye West released a gospel album and he now is in Cody, Wyoming. It's just absurd. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, my, my, I mean, okay, so my favorite album of all time is, is, is a Kanye West album and it's, it's My Beautiful Doctor's Fantasy. Um, but, you know, I, over the, as the years have gone by, you know, I, as I, as I think of more on it, it's because like, it's my favorite album. It's like, I don't need to, to back him up or, or, or defend his, his actions. And, and it's just been weird being a Kanye West fan. Like I, I'm a fan of his music, but other than that, I, I tune out completely from um, what he does in, in his personal life. And it's an interesting boundary to put. And I'm not perfect with it too, because uh, I'm definitely hypocritical on how I, um, approach artists that I like, mm-hmm. you know, ignoring one person's like life, but not ignoring another person's. Like right. I, I won't listen to Chris Brown, for example, you know, those are um, big differences though, right? Like yeah. Kanye is not an abuser. Right. Um, yeah. I guess, I guess a closer analogy would be like Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love Michael Jackson's music, you know, and um, it's hard. Like I, I do find it hard now to like listen to, to his music. Um, but I still enjoy it, right. which is weird. Uh, and I guess, you know, uh, I don't like watching Kevin Spacey movies. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the, what I'm trying to get at is right. like, I'll draw lines for some, some people, but won't for others. Right. And, and it is something I, I, I'm wrestling with something I'm trying to improve at and get better with, but I'm definitely not perfect at it. You know? Well, not, you know, it's interesting you say that because I don't know if, if you need to, uh, and of course, like I'm speaking for your life, so like you know whatever. But I don't know if you need to get better at it because art is not like there's no rules for it, you know. Right. And and it's okay for us to be. I don't even know if it's hypocritical, you know. I like I, I can't articulate my thought on it, but I, I feel what you mean. Yeah. I, like because I 
I did the same thing with like Bill Cosby and the Cosby show. And yeah, it's like difficult. you said, Kevin Spacey and Kevin Spacey movies. I, I don't watch um those things. I, you know, I cut myself off from house of cards and, yeah. and stuff, but uh, I guess I'm going nowhere with this other than to say that it, it is tough. It's like, tough. It's, it's, and, it, and it's all, you know what I hate? Okay. This is like, I suppose my thought it's the judgment that people have online yeah. with it. We're like, um, you shouldn't be able to tell someone that like, I would never tell someone that they can't enjoy the Cosby show. You know, like if they're out there saying, man, Bill Cosby innocent, <laughs> speaking of Kanye, then of course that is a wrong opinion. Right. But you can't, I don't think you can judge someone for what they get out of art. Right. Like even yeah. like, you know, if you love Chris Brown music, as long as you're not saying like, you know what? Chris Brown's a good person. Chris Brown's a good person. Know? Like I don't see a problem yeah. with it. Um, yeah. And I ultimately I'm, I'm more on the fence that like, it's their work and not the person, you know, like trying, trying to separate the two. And for the most part I do, but you know, I'm hypocritical because I don't for others. Right. And, right. And I guess it's up to you where you draw the line, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that, that you, you stand for, I don't know. I, as long as you draw the line for yourself and you right. don't, and ultimately just don't judge other people for what lines they draw. Everyone yeah. has like, um, you know, who's to say if someone, you know, that, that old mantra of like some pieces of art, like quote unquote, save someone's life. Right. Like what if, if a Chris Brown album did that for you, which is <laughs> <laughs> absurd, I guess. But, uh, you know, if it does and who, who is anyone else to say, right, like, yeah. you, you got, you know, nope, got to cut them out. Yeah. Got to come out. Absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's that cancel culture, you know what I yeah, mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's so difficult. It's like, all right, we're going to cancel this guy. And if you don't cancel him, you're canceled. You yeah, know? So yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. Um, can I just mention a few of the albums that I, I yeah, really of course. Unless so, you yeah. want, because I know you wanted to talk about ones that weren't on your top five. Yeah. Um, I, I'll just give a, a quick mention to yeah. uh, two albums that I really, really enjoyed. Um, one was called The Masquerade by MXM Tune. Hmm. And she's, um, I mean, I don't know much, I don't know much about her. And, and literally, I found I found her music through Twitter's recommendation algorithm. You know, oh. like it just popped up on my feed, and I listened to the album. I was like, "Oh wow, I really, really enjoy oh. this." And it's just it's one of the uh, it, it's like a coming of age album, you know. And, and I think I have a really soft spot for the the coming of age story. Yeah, like I love coming of age films. Um, and and so it, it this movie or this uh this album kind of just felt like one of those, those movies. It felt like a, like the, like the edge of 17 or like Lady Bird encompassed right. an album, you know? And mm-hmm. so it was so good. Um, it's, it's really funny and, and witty, uh, but it also, you know, touches the line, uh, touches that, like the, the lines of like depression and stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, she's got a humor to it. And, and I thought it was really well, uh, well done. Uh, and the, the second album, it's more of an EP and um, it's called the beast by pilot priest. And so, um, Pilot Priest is uh he's this he's basically a Renaissance man that I've discovered. So he hmm. he not only makes music but he directs films, um and and makes his own films. And so this dude just does it all. And um, I'm really excited for for his films to, uh, or his film to to come out. It's um from what I've known, it's called Come True. And so it's supposed to be a horror movie. And I'm not tuned to horror movies, but I'll do some of them. Right. And I think I'll watch this one. Uh, but this album or, or EP, um, it's just, I mean, it's just a collection of, of like more instrumental, uh, musical kind of like, uh, soundtracky type, type mm-hmm. songs. Um, uh, it was just so beautiful. It really just, uh, struck a, struck a chord within me. 
Yeah, so th- those are two albums that I would suggest. And I think these, you know, these are, are more of your less like mainstream, right. under the radar are things that I think a lot of people would enjoy. Ones that don't get talked about yeah. too much. I suppose mine, so kind of like you with movies, you know, I, I haven't listened to too many albums. And in fact, typically a lot of the, especially the, you know, the, the non-Lana Del Rey's, the people that, you know, n- not everyone knows about, I usually get my recommendations from you. Um, so I suppose if I had to choose like three that I really liked from last year, probably be uh Nick cave and the bad seeds. Their, mm. their new album, ghosting. Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic. album. Yeah. And it's their first one, I believe written after, um, the, the lead singer's son. uh, son's death. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so it's immensely powerful and it's just kind of a coincidence that, uh, the other day I was reading an article that he posted on his blog about how Kanye West is the greatest artist of our time. Um, and his whole, which I wouldn't necessarily disagree with, uh, but his whole spiel is that like, you know, it's a, a great art, artist changes the uh, cultural discourse and no one does that more than Kanye every time. Um, but that's kind of a tangent. But uh, so that's a great, powerful album. Um, and there's a documentary from a couple of years ago called One More Time with Feeling that is about uh, the recording of the Skeleton Tree album, the one that was, you know, made during and after and, and before his son's death. And so that's a great movie if, if you're into the band. Uh, but then my number two would probably be uh, Billie Eilish's, uh, what's it called? Uh, when we, when fall we Fall Asleep, asleep Where Do we, we go? go? I remember you didn't like this yeah, album no, at first. I, I think what's funny is I'm, I'm pretty consistent in uh, with my opinion on movies. And I think I'm, I'm pretty capable of like analyzing them because that's my thing, right? But I suck with music. I really do. How many times... Khalid's album. <laughs> yeah, so did that come out last year too? Was that? I think so. I think, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I remember, because we both love the first one, right? Yeah. Uh, American Dream or American Teen. Um, and so we were both really excited for the second one, and I still like it. Uh, but I remember texting you, and I was like, I've never heard like <laughs> something this, this is the greatest thing that like humanity has ever produced. Uh, and then I was like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> and then with Billie Eilish, um, and I think it's probably because I, I, I presumed that her album would be the same sound as her, uh, as her EP, mm, um, yeah. right? Uh, like the Ocean Eyes song, yeah, which yeah. that's a great EP and that's a great song. So I think I was just projecting what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And obviously she's much smarter artistically than I am. So it's kind of cool that she made like an anti-pop yeah, album, right? And yeah. uh you know, the more I listen to it, it's like, oh my God, this is good. Yeah. Like, this it's is fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. And um, Bad Guy is like the one song that I don't mind hearing on the radio five million times because <laughs> it's, it's so good. Uh, but then my favorite of the year would be um, uh, Claro's Immunity. So sort of similar to you with Wise Blood. Uh, when I heard that, I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is the album to beat for me this year. Um, just, I, I just love her her, I guess her coming of age narrative too, right? Yeah, is, yeah. Uh, it's just about um, overcoming any obstacles that you have. And, and I, I'm really into like that whole aesthetic, like the Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus's um, of music. Yeah, kind of like the lo-fi-ish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, just it really spoke to me. And um, I, I, I listen to it all the time. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Beautiful. Fantastic, beautiful album. Outside of music and movies, what were some pieces of art that you really liked that came out in 2019 whether video game tv like whatever that's tough uh what did i play (laughs) last year that i really liked that's tough um well probably my favorite game that i played last year was um 
Fire Emblem Three Houses on the Nintendo Switch. Um, I've always been a big fan of the Fire Emblem games, and this one was really cool. Uh, all these games are kind of like absurd to kind of describe, but right. this game is kind of like a like a Hogwarts type uh, academy where you know you, you you're instructor to, to these students, you know, teaching them about war, leading them in battle, um, and it was just really cool. Uh, it it kind of just plays like an anime, <laughs> mm. uh, but it, it's really nice because uh, the Fire Emblem games have always really been about getting to know the characters, and so uh, you build bonds and you you build um, basically like support levels, and mm-hmm. and the the more you level up, the more you know you get to know about like a character's like backstory mm. and things like that, and so you really get to to like the characters that you spend time with, um, and the Fire Emblem games have always been about. Uh, like if a character dies, they're gone forever. And so, you know, you really want to protect them oh, and right. stuff. And then this game flips that on, on your head when you get to know these characters, you get to really like them. And then there's a time jump. And then uh, you, you end up having to f- face off against some of these characters that you've grown to love and, uh, and, and you have to kill them, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to, and it's really difficult. One, have to like face off against them and, and, and two, really like, you know, you, uh, there's there they they were kids when you were like instructing them and now they're grown up and right. now you have to end, end their life because Ooh, yeah, that's brutal because you know it's 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 the themes of like war and politics mm-hmm. and and what it means and 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 how it can affect us on a personal level mm-hmm. and and for me when 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 it got to that point so the the game has three three storylines and I've only completed one uh, but when it got to the point where I was I knew that I, I was I. I had to kill my former, some of my former students. <laughs> For me, I made it a, a personal thing where it was like, okay, uh, if this is the way it's going, I'm the only one who's going to do this. Like, I'm not going to make, oh, the, sure. I'm not going to make the students fight each other. Right. I, I'm like, I was like, okay, as, as their, as your former teacher, it is my responsibility to kill to you. Take this burden and kill you. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like having to fight my students. <laughs> he says. I guess uh, TV shows, you like that one a lot. Yeah, shoot. What um, was... About the, uh, it was like uh, very LGBTQ oriented, yeah, right? Yeah, po- it was called Pose. Pose, um, yeah. Yeah, it was about, it was about uh, I think in the 80s about the, the um, they called them like houses um, where um, there's a lot of like uh, trans people um, and they, you know, they would get kicked out by their old families mm-hmm. and then they would uh, basically form their own families and they called them houses and then they would have their like these things called balls where they would, you know, all of them would get together and basically just celebrate mm. and have like a dan- dance offs and just have a good time. And it was just really about them kind of finding their own community within a world that basically rejects them. Right. And, and a lot of it is based on true on basically the, the true scenes of when it occurred. Mm-hmm. And and it was just it was it was it was fantastic, very emotional. Um, I just loved everything about it. The It's aesthetic and. Mm. And the way they they handled the characters, and even like uh, they used like trans actors, you know, of course, to represent these people, right. and and it was just really well done. And I believe it's ongoing still, and and we only saw the first season through Netflix. Are you planning on continuing it when you when like, yeah if yeah if they if, release more or yeah because it's does? I think FX is doing it. Okay. And I mean I don't have cable, so if it comes on Netflix, yeah, I'll definitely definitely redo it or uh, watch, watch more. Of more. It. I think um, just jumping off on that line, I'll, I'll name one TV show and one one game as well. Uh, so TV from and it was probably my favorite like piece of art that I that I uh, experienced last year would be Watchmen. Um, so how cool now that we have like a fantastic graphic novel, a fantastic movie, and then we have a fantastic show, and um, it's just 
I, I won't spoil this one because yeah, I know you I haven't, haven't watched it. I haven't yet. seen this um, one. But it's just it was it's what a sequel slash like kind of reimagining of like a classic beloved property I think should do. Uh because Damon Lindelof, the showrunner and writer, co writer, he he had this just clear vision of like uh as you know politically and socially revolutionary and intelligent as the Watchmen comic is, he wanted to match that and you know and it, for for our time. And so it's it's just as politically uh, it's it's just as powerful a political allegory and racially charged and it was just um incredible. It was the it was one of those things that I, it's funny. I think TV and I don't watch too many TV shows, maybe like one or two a year too. Uh but it seems to me like the new trend it is becoming like against streaming in terms of not putting the whole season out at one time. You know, like I think people are are actually really enjoying the whole episodic thing again. Yeah, where, uh, yeah. It, it allows for discussion and to think about it, right? Yeah, and, that's good. Um, They're pushing back against that. Yeah, that Netflix standard. I think yeah. so, and I, you know, I think maybe Game of Thrones is a big part of that, right? Because of how how the whole world loved talking about that week to week, right? Yeah. And um, I know Watchmen had a similar level of intelligent discussion online where every week, you know, people would just be yeah. so excited to talk about it, and it, it it was like that thing where every Sunday I had something to look forward to. Um, and then video game wise would be Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, so of the three main Star Wars releases last year, um, not including like books and comics and stuff, which I also enjoy, but like, you know, Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian and Fallen Order. And I liked all three, but Fallen Order would be my favorite of the three um, just because it it was uh, a, just in a beautifully emotional and adventurous story uh, that picks up really closely after Revenge of the Sith. And I, I won't spoil this as well because I know yeah, you have I really want to play it. It's I on my list. I played it yet. Um, I'll just say that there's an Order 66 sequence oh. that made me cry. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know, you're playing it as like teenage yeah. uh, Cal, your main character, and <laughs> they have you, you know, like high five and interact with the clone troopers oh. who you know are about to kill you. And they play the revenge, some of the Revenge of the Sith score during that sequence, and it's so good. Um, and then I'm really glad that I avoided uh, that I was able to avoid the marketing for it yeah. because apparently I, yeah, there's a huge spoiler. They heavily marketed Vader oh as my. being part of it, yeah. um, which I know you and I both talked about. That's probably going to happen, right? Because right. it's it's in that time period. But but right, it's spoiling such a, a cool moment right. that, that would happen, right? Yeah. And so you know the whole game, I was like, Vader's probably going to be in this, but but maybe not uh, because how how will you how will you live if Vader's in here? Because uh, you're just a Padawan and. Uh, but near the you know the climax of the game is you confronting Vader, uh, and Jesus. I won't spoil how it concludes. Other than it's the, it is exactly what it should be because you know uh, your the main boss fights throughout the game are the Inquisitors yeah. who are just you know basically the equivalent of like dark side Padawans in some ways, and uh, they like kick your butt. Um, so how how are you gonna face Vader? <laughs> and okay. the way Vader is portrayed is just like this relentless onslaught of dark side monstrosities. Jesus. And so it's just when he comes on, you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, how am I gonna? Oh my god! And it, it was it was incredible. It was just such a good game. And like you said uh, about the, the Metroid connection, um, was you you know you having to backtrack when you learn new force skills and uh, when you just kind of develop in the game. And it was never dull because I think there are four or five planets. Uh, but they're each so different and so massive that you never felt like, um, okay, now I got to go back to that one little place yeah. to find that one secret I didn't find. You're like excited to go uh, and explore this huge new area in a game. Uh, and um, 
I, I, a hundred percent of it because I was just so, nice. you know, I was so, um, so into it. It yeah. was just so much fun. And I wanted every little thing I could get out of it also. Cause I'm just a, you know, star Wars junkie, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's a great game. They, yeah. It's definitely next on my list. Unfortunately, uh, I would play it now, but I'm sticking to my one game at a time mantra, right. and, I, and I've started God of War. So, uh, it's one. I mean, I started God of War a long time ago and never finished it. So, it, right. starting it over from the beginning and, okay. and trying to get through it. Well, at least compared to the last two with Death Stranding and Red Dead, um, I don't know about God of War, but Star Wars will only take you like 15, 16 <laughs> yeah. hours. So, it'll be a, a walk in the park. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's it for our, our main discussion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hopefully. Uh, you guys enjoyed this and we're we're excited to try to keep this consistent and and to keep it going i think i think with this kind of formula i think we we found a a strategy that will allow us to uh sustain this at a at a, a realistic pace yeah and i think our our game plan is sort of um if you are someone who perhaps really enjoys just our dialogue uh we're going to do sort of an after show segment where after our quote-unquote credits we're just going to talk about something a little more personal to us right um that is unrelated to our main discussion so yeah feel so feel free, free to, to tune off yeah <laughs> yeah if you don't care but if you're sticking around uh there's going to be a little more discussions about yeah just just random random yeah. things Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> uh, see you in a year. <laughs> so uh, I've been wanting to talk about this. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of a a, a tech a techie. Mm. You know, I, I love tech, and um, and so you know, I've always been proficient. I mean, it's what I do for a job. I'm a programmer, uh, but I've always been pro- proficient in, in this space. And so um, I've recently made a big change in my life, I guess. <laughs> um, and I, my primary uh, operating system has always been a uh, PC. Mm-hmm. And so I've always, I've always, it's been both, you know, I've always been Windows and Mac, but usually uh, my Mac was reserved for like schoolwork and stuff like right. that. Cause um, you know, I've always just preferred Mac laptops to any other kind of like laptop right. out there. Um, and so, you know, uh, I have a, a Windows PC desktop that I've built myself and it, it, it's starting to reach um it's it's starting to reach uh it's getting old okay mm-hmm. so it, when did you build it it was a i think i built it in 2013 oh um, wow I yeah and so i've steadily know. upgraded it throughout the years right. um uh but parts the, the parts that are easy easily upgradable mm-hmm. and so uh i'm i'm starting to hit a bottleneck and basically my my cpu is getting old and mm-hmm. starting to hit its limits and upgrading the cpu uh would basically mean building a new PC mm. because I'd have to get a new motherboard. I'd have to get a new RAM um, because uh, I have DDR3 and all that means is it's just that there's a new generation of RAM mm-hmm. now now that's better um, and the new motherboards support that. And so, uh, you know, I've upgraded like my graphics cards and stuff throughout the years and so I've, I've been able to keep up. But as I've gotten more into um, filmmaking and, and like uh, photo editing, you mm-hmm. know, um, those things are, are a lot more intensive on the CPU. And so I'm, I'm starting to hit that wall with my PC. And I was, and I was thinking, okay, well, um, 
you know, <laughs> I got to make a big decision now. Do I want mm-hmm. to basically build a new PC and, uh, and spend the money and upgrade, uh, basically a new processor, get a new motherboard, get a new Ram. I, I buy, buy, I got to buy some new hard drives. And so it's, it's going to, it's going to be a big upgrade, you right. know? Um, and would, a pricey upgrade. Would that be more expensive than, cause I know, I know nothing about these things. Would that be more than like a, a new no. laptop or no, it'd probably be cheaper. Okay. Um, honestly, uh, because you know, if, if I was to get a new laptop, mm-hmm. you know, I'd get an Apple laptop and they're expensive, you right. know, and, and building a new PC, yes, would be cheaper. Um, but it's just got me thinking about basically, well, what do I prefer out of an operating system? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, and I, and I prefer Mac, Mac OS more than I, than windows. I've always have, uh, and so you know, I just made I made the decision. I bought and I, I bought uh, a, a new MacBook, and that's mm-hmm. my primary computer now. And so um, I basically set it up like a desktop, so um, it's connected to a keyboard and a monitor, mm-hmm. and that's how I use it. And my PC has basically now become another game console, right? Um, and so any other kind of work, photo editing, uh, uh, filmmaking, audio, like, you know, editing this podcast will happen through the Mac mm. um, instead of the PC now. And so um, I've, I've been really happy with it. You know, uh, I've just, uh, I, I just prefer the Mac uh, um, operating system more and, and just its um, integration with like my other Apple products. And so uh, it's been, it's been a, a big change, I guess, right. but yeah, it's just been interesting now that, um, and and later on in the future, I'll I I will probably create build a new PC, but mm-hmm. um, with within the the mindset that it will just be a game console, you right. know, it'll save me costs and I won't have to get like the latest greatest and stuff. So just enough to play the games I want to play. Do you have, and this might be a question for the future, but do you have plans then to like get a PS Five or are you gonna do your gaming? just through your computer now. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably definitely get a, a PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason is because PlayStation exclusive games are so good. Oh, true. Um, and, you know, they don't come out on the PC. Uh, there, it, it is interesting that we're starting to see a trend that some of them are. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Death Stranding is a PlayStation exclusive, but it's going to come out on the PC later this year. Oh, okay. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn was a PlayStation exclusive. It's going to come out on PC later this year. Mm-hmm. So Sony might be changing strategies. Right. Um, but, you know, like Last of Us 2, I mean, that's still PS4. And so like, I'm, I'm glad right. to have the PS4 to play this exclusive, like God of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, PlayStation 5 will probably be exclusive. Like the new Spider-Man is probably... That's what's going to cahoogle me into it, right? Is <laughs> I, I think I've gotten... Um, since I bought my PS4 back in 2015... I think I have bought four games yeah. and I'm going to do the same damn thing <laughs> the because they're going to get, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man 2 will come out, Fallen yeah. Order 2 will come out yeah. and that'll be it. <laughs> so yeah. So for me, you know, the, my PC is basically just becoming another game console mm. at this point and, and I've switched over primarily exclusively uh, to the, the Mac operating system yeah. as my everyday machine and, and I, I'm really happy with it. I love it. So that's all I got on that. Isn't uh, just one quick comment on the tech thing? Isn't it funny how like uh, today, right? I was like, "How do I get on the Wi-Fi with this? Do I do I have to airdrop this thing, or what does that what does that mean?" Uh, it's just the difference in our in our tech knowledge. So my my topic, I guess, sort of how yours is related tangentially to your professional like tech life. Um, so mine was uh, uh, just sort of around 
time management in the sense that I feel like I've always been pretty good at, at time management. I, I like getting things done. You know, I've never had issues with procrastination or whatever, but um, it, lately I've felt very overwhelmed with just the amounts that I'm asked to do uh, in my professional teaching life. And um, this past week in particular was really difficult and I, I've been behind on grading and which is interesting because I'm philosophically uh, and intellectually opposed to grading as a concept. And I think, I think the research backs me up on that, um, that grading is an outdated system, but um, can't, yeah. can't change it right now. Hard to, yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I, that's kind of just the thing I have to do is I have to grade and I have to have X amount of things in the grade book and blah, 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 blah. Um, so we, we've been doing a lot of vocab quizzes and uh, grading is exhausting and Dude, it's just meant, especially at the end of a day, you're, the last thing you want to go home and do is grade. And, yeah. you know, so I think and most, it's, cr- it's crazy that it's crazy that they expect these, this out of teachers that, Hey, you got a grade in your off hours, right. you know, like what, what do you mean? That's, that's part of my work. Why, why isn't that done right. within my work hours? Well, isn't it funny that like I'm given two hours of plan time, but I'm not because of the amount of meetings and things that we have to do during right. that plan time. So in a given week, I really, I don't, you know, I don't right. get my plan time. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, I was talking to um, a fellow new, newish teacher and uh, I was like, I gotta, you know, I gotta go home and grade. And her response was, but do you, do you have to grade tonight? I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Uh, and you know, her, her whole thing was like, do you like, what will happen if you walk in here tomorrow and you don't have that quiz graded yet? Is your lesson re- set for tomorrow? Yeah. Um, are you supporting your students in your other, in other ways tomorrow? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Great tomorrow then. Uh, and so, okay. Yeah, you're right. And so I, I spread it out over a little bit longer of time. Didn't change anything cause I had my lesson set for the week right. and, um, just took them like an extra day or two to get their quiz back, which yeah. that's fine. Uh, so I don't know why that was such a simple thing that I had like forgotten of like, Oh damn, you're right. I, I could wait till tomorrow yeah. to do this. It's not gonna, um, you know, it's one thing if I couldn't do that, like, uh, do, you have your, do you have your lesson for tomorrow? Nah, nah. like that, that couldn't happen. But um, yeah, it's like okay, I can, nah, I, yeah, can I can be a little more kind to myself right now and and not um, overload myself with that work. It can wait, and I think um, it's it's like the mentality of uh, you know that that thing of why um, why do today what you could put off tomorrow, mm-hmm. but in a in a actually positive, responsible way yeah. of of like self care. It's not let me procrastinate and put this off. It's a uh, I can wait to do this because I've already done enough today. It's not, yeah, I think that's, it's not procrastinating, right. you know, it's, it, it's, it's being realistic with your time mm-hmm. and not, not running yourself down. Right. Which, it, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, one thing, cause, uh, you and I are both exempt workers and I never really thought about that term before. Basically it just means your salary, you salary paid. They don't pay you by the hour. Um, and my boss was telling me, you know, you're a professional now. Mm-hmm. Like we expect you to basically get the work done and you know, like whether you can get it done with like more within 40 hours or less than 40 hours or more, sometimes maybe more than 40 hours. Right. Like it's whatever you're a professional and you've been trained and you went through school and mm-hmm. whatever, like this is what's expected of you now. You just get your work done. You right. know? And I was like, you know, like I am a professional. Yeah. Like <laughs> I am a professional now. Like, yeah. Like if I want to take off today a little earlier than normal, and I'm reasonable about it. I'm like, it's like, I'm not going to, you know, if I got the work that I needed to get done for that day, like sometimes you don't need to go above and beyond, you know, you don't need to, to, to break your back every week, day in, in and out, in and out. Like if you're responsible, you get the work that you need to, that needs to get done. And right. 
then yeah, that's it. You're good. Like you don't need to take that work home. You, you don't need to uh, stress out about it. If, if, if it's not going to affect your performance for tomorrow, then you're on top of it. Right. You know, you know, it's funny to speak to that real quick though, and, and not to complain. Um, but that's just, that's a funny difference though, between professionalism and like more of a tech business world versus mm-hmm. like a, a, an outdated right. system yeah, yeah, yeah. that where education has not changed, you know, um, in the last 150 years. Yeah. And so sure, I guess I didn't grade that night, but I'm at work almost 90 minutes before work starts every day. Right, grading, so I, yeah. I did still grade outside of my selected hours. Well, yeah, which is, I mean, it's that's funny, just, right? That speaks to, dude, the education system is broken. And, and, it hasn't and, changed. And the, the hours that they expect out of teachers is absurd. You know what I mean? Like no other field, you know, besides, yeah. I mean, like Maybe when they're like doing a, it in other, so for example, like uh, one of the big talking points the previous years is like, overworking game developers, you know, right. like game developers crunching out, putting hundred hours a week. And people were like, no, this isn't right. Dude, teachers are doing this every day. Right. Like they've been doing this every day for the past like decades, you know, yeah. like, I better quit talking. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's perfect. Uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night, either think, even having a nightmare about school or about nights of the old Republic. It's, it's one of the two. <laughs> That's a, I think that is, um, that is it for this episode yeah, of the podcast, so. right? Uh, leave me on that note as, as, I, as I lose my job. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good time. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye.